0: Helping young leaders grow and find their voices is a great way to make a positive impact. You'll hear how Joe Aldaz, President and CEO of the Colorado Springs Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, is paying forward a lifetime of leadership lessons learned in the military and in business through the Adelante Leadership Institute on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm excited to share a conversation with Joe Aldez, President and CEO of the Colorado Springs Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Joe is a 1983 graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy and served in the Air Force for more than 26 years. After serving all around the world, Joe's last assignment in the Air Force brought him back to Colorado Springs in 1999, and he's been a fixture in the community ever since. Joe served as the Rocky Mountain Director of the USO, the Executive Director of the Chavez- K-12 Prep School and as Executive Director for the Center of American Values and as the co-chair of the Pikes Peak Community College Hispanic Advisory Council. Joe was a 2022 Lederamos Fellow through the National Latino Leadership Alliance and was the program manager for the Institute for Veterans and Military Families in Colorado Springs. He became the president and CEO of the Colorado Hispanic Chamber in 2018. And in 2022, the U.S. Hispanic Chamber named the Colorado Springs Hispanic Chamber as the small chamber of the year. Wow, quite an honor. Also in 2022, Joe created the Adelante Leadership Institute and was named a Colorado Springs Business Journal, DEI Transformational Leader. Can't wait to get into all of this. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate
1: having the opportunity to talk about our work, uh, specifically the Adelante Leadership Institute. Uh, this has been a, a concept that I've developed over about a year and a half and thought it was very important that here in our area of Colorado Springs, our emerging Latino leaders and other multicultural leaders had an opportunity or an alternative leadership training pathway in order to provide servant leadership to our community. So that was kind of the genesis of the program, and we successfully launched it this year with uh, 12 fellows who began in January.
0: Awesome. So that was really kind of the genesis of the program, but... Tell me about what you saw that really motivated you to get this going.
1: Well, what motivated me is if we kind of look at the, uh, the demographics, the research that's ongoing, uh, the Latino population is the fastest growing uh, population in Colorado and in Colorado specifically. Uh, we've, we have two uh, leadership programs here that have been around for quite some time but the access to those programs are limited for many of the underrepresented underserved communities and i wanted to create some access to those that would be more affordable uh, would be a different type of training for them and then ultimately have them trained and have the confidence to go out and serve on boards and commissions within our community because a lot of our boards and commissions don't look or reflect what right. our community demographic is right. so we, sh- we should start to plan for what that looks like so all uh, diverse communities have a voice in boards and the decision making that goes on in, in communities so That prompted me to do that uh, because of the research I saw. Uh, There was one program that had been around since the late 1990s, looking at their alumni. There was only 4% of the graduates who were Hispanic. Wow. Almost 400 graduates. Wow. So that's, I said, you know, I need to create access for emerging Latino leaders. And we also are are creating access for other underserved groups. Uh, If you look at the structure of our program, we have slots for up to 25 fellows. 15 of those are designated for emerging Latino or Latina leaders. And then we designate two spots for our black chamber, two spots for our women's chamber, uh, two slots for what we call our rising professionals group here. And then out of the generosity of Pikes Peak State College, they provided us classroom space at no cost to host this. So I designated two positions, two slots for them. And then we have two at large. So we hope as we mature the program that next year we can get 25 into the 10 month fellowship program. Uh, we make it a, a program where it's not overwhelming and intensive that they're meeting several times a month the way we plan it out is they meet two times in january to kind of develop a network and some camaraderie between their fellows and then they meet once a month through september in the evening for four hours nice wow graduation reception so we think with that model they're more apt to make a commitment and get more applications because they don't see it as being such an intensive program that they can't make that type of commitment.
0: I I think it's awesome, because when you talk about the Latino demographic, knowing just a a little bit from my wife used to work at at uh, Univision, the Demographic is ginormous, but it is it is so upper underrepresented in boards and leadership. So this is really a way to try and change that course a little bit, isn't it? Exactly. You know,
1: and and as an example, and I'll kind of just read from this so I don't, you know, misrepresent. It's. uh, Latinos represent 19% of the American workforce. They represent only 3% of fortune 500 board of directors and 2% of fortune 500 CEOs in the philanthropic sector, Latinos account for less than 3% of foundation CEOs or presidents. And in the political sector, only 2% of all local state and national elected offices are held by Latinos nationally. And of the, 681 elected offices in Colorado, only 53 or 7% are held by Latinos. So, you know, that that's pretty dramatic, but that is pretty we, need dramatic. To, we, we need to do our, our work in order to change uh, the playing field. Well, right. mean, we can't sit back and say, well, we're underrepresented if we're not willing to take those steps uh, to have the rep- representation and bring qualified people to the table, you know, not just checking a box. These are qualified people who have had training and board governance and things like that to, to serve on, on those boards and commissions. Uh, And one thing that, you know, we don't promote well uh, as a Latino group and many don't know that we're the fifth largest GDP in the world. Wow. $2.8 trillion dollars just in the country, in the United States. That is a fun fact I didn't know, wow. So that that makes us the fifth largest GDP. We're larger than the GDP of France and India, as an example. And we're a resident in the United States. So how do we leverage that capability and develop leaders to, to start to reflect, you know, the melting pot of what our
0: nation's going to look like? Yeah. Well, as a student of leadership yourself, um, you know, through your military and all the other leadership positions, you, you're kind of leading by example, but then tell me what do, what does a fellow get when they're going through this program? Well, you know, here, a couple
1: examples, you know, one of the first things we did in, in the program is we kind of introduced our fellows to the style of Latino leadership, our culture, our history. Uh one of the icons of, for this is uh Dr. Juana Bordas. She lives in Denver, uh, wrote a book called The Power of Latino Leadership. Just reissued the book called Latino The Power of Latino Le- Leadership Ahora, which is now because there's been changes since she's written it. So she was our first presenter. So she awesome. dove into our the history, our Latino history, our culture, the tradition the style of Latino leadership—it's very different than what we would call that mainstream leadership style. Uh, we're more about uh, coalition building, consensus, and then you have that leader go out there based on that coalition building and consensus to go out there and, and and provide you know input uh, on the the way forward. So that was one session. You know our our. <laughs> Second session, as an example, we brought in a gentleman named Charmis Lee uh, who has a company called Believe and Perform Like Champions. And he talked about uh, success leaves clues and becoming a high performance leader. And he crafts that through the eyes of sport because he was a personal trainer. He's a USATF certified coach. So he has been able to take the human performance factor into the corporate world and tie it into leadership and one of the the examples he used is, is is the 400 meter run and how the different phase there's four phases of that run which can equate to four phases of leadership uh, based interesting. On how you how you run that 400 meter sprint so Uh, That's another example. We are going to have a board governance training session for our our individuals so they understand what their roles and responsibilities will be to do that. Uh, We'll also have a session on the Colorado Springs experience, kind of talk a little bit about the history of Colorado Springs and then tie in a specific uh, aspect of our history, uh, which is very um, not well known, but in the inner city of Colorado Springs, many years ago, there was an area called the Conejos neighborhood. So we are bringing, uh, an individual from the Colorado Springs pioneer museum, not only to talk about Colorado Springs history, but tie in that Latino piece. That's not well known. And it was, it it was a uh, photo exhibit that they did, uh, tracing back that history of Colorado Springs and that Latino culture that has been resident here. So just a variety of different things, you know, as, as you know, with a lot of leadership program, there's always a kind of a personal assessment. So we have a tool that's a gentleman that's going to bring in called the Enneagram tool. So that's going to be actually our next session tomorrow. All of our fellows have done the, the assessment, and now they're going to, to start to talk about that, because you, you find out, you know, kind of what your characteristics are. And, and so I think for our first year, it's a very robust program. we kind of call it a pilot program. We may massage some things, we may uh, take some things out, but the way I developed the program as well is I. I brokered relationships with the facilitators to do these this first year at at no cost to our program, nice. and, and the following year, as I continue to raise funds for the program, we will offer a stipend to these facilitators that provide uh, these presentations
0: to us. Fantastic. Well, I'm curious, um, you know, if you're a young Latino emerging leader. And you you know these statistics, and and it must feel like there's a wall there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how are you? Does the, does your program is the intent kind of to create? Um, one of my favorite terms is a shallow entry point. Mm-hmm. Is, is your your program is kind of to open up these help open up these doors to say. You know, the the numbers might not favor us, but we can get there if we work together. And if you can, if we can give you these skills. Exactly.
1: You know, that's, that's the key is to provide access and then develop them through 10 months to, to really have that confidence that, okay, I've gotten some valuable training. I can go out there as, as an example, as a small business person who runs a plumbing company but wants to be active and, and serve our community, not only to have a voice for our Latino culture, but you want to just serve our community and make it a better community in general, which is, is, is the important aspect of it.
0: Let's take a step back here. You actually started with the chamber as a volunteer, right? So kind of how did things evolve to the point where, you know, next thing you know, you're the president and the CEO. Well, you I, I, I had a former opportunity with them when
1: I was in between uh, jobs in 2006 and 2007, I I served with them as the president for a year, got the opportunity to be the uh, regional director for the USO, as you saw there and moved on to there. And unfortunately, after I left two years later, the chamber just closed its doors because Mm. as a small chamber, your two main revenue lines are always memberships and sponsorships for events. Obviously, you know uh, revenue was a factor. Well, it got resurrected again in 2016 by four community leaders, uh-huh. and then I they asked me to come on their board in uh, 2018, and it evolved to take becoming their volunteer board chair in, in that summer. And I volunteered rebuilding, uh, b- building membership, developing a schedule, programming, all of those things as as a volunteer. Yeah. And ironically, in March of 2020, right about the shutdown, they said, hey, you've done some good work. Would you become our part time executive? I said, sure. So during that whole uh, uh, shutdown, you know, for most of 2020, we built some virtual programming and we were one of the only business organizations that actually increased our membership during that time. I don't know the reasons why, you know, we did some very very unique type programming because, as you know, uh, in the evenings, most people were at home because of yeah. you know, what was going on. So as an example, we developed two uh, series. One was called uh, a Cocktails and Conversation. We did it on the first Friday of the month in the evening around six o'clock. And it was a, a cocktail and conversation with Latino entertainers, sports figures. We were able to get them to live stream in. Nice. Uh, one of the very first ones was a gentleman named Isai Morales, whose thing huh. was La Bamba. Yeah. <laughs> and NYPD Blue. Yeah. He's actually the villain now in the Mission Impossible 7 that's gonna be coming out. Uh, I became friends with him and I, so I reached out to him. And we had our first one in June of 2020. I said, Hey, would you be willing to just live stream over a cocktail, talk about life, your career? He said, I'm all for it because I'm stuck in Puerto Rico trying <laughs> to finish a film. So we we did that. Uh brought in uh, someone I know you you know probably very well, Rick Barry, who lives here in Colorado Springs, yeah. about his career. Uh, and then I, at that time, uh, the, Joe Scott had just started his first season as the second go around, as the Air Force men's basketball coach talked about his journey, you know, what he thinks he will be able to put in place based on his success when he was here the first time. It was just a one hour casual conversation and people seemed to like it because we thought, well, everybody's probably stuck home. Yeah. <laughs> So then we said, well, we also did a series called an evening with series where we live streamed live music, and we did it on the fourth Friday. People can just relax, listen to live music through their their laptops, and and most of them are probably home. So we live live streamed the smooth jazz artist out of Maryland, a gentleman named Ken Navarro. He was in his studio, played his guitar with background music. Uh, We had a group, couple groups out of Denver perform. So I guess some of those things that are are not characteristically about business were, you know, inviting the community to just, you know, try to remove themselves from the challenges that were going on and, and enjoy that. And it would, they were free events. We didn't charge and we were open to the entire community.
0: Well, and that's part of, of your, that's probably your biggest role with the chamber is to connect, right? Exactly. Connect people with, connect them with the chamber and connect them with each other.
1: Right. And, you know, and every business has different needs. You know, we, we have our right. education foundation that we established this leadership institute because there's a tie into business through there as well, because those that are coming through our program are either staff members As part of businesses, we have a couple of members from school districts here that are in the program. And then we have small business owners that want to develop their leadership skills because they feel that they want to uh, have a voice in the community. So so that leadership can not only help their small business, it's gonna help us and our community as well if they get active and civically engaged.
0: Stronger together, right? Exactly. So tell me, when you're out talking with your members, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you hear that they're facing?
1: Well, I think there, I kind of call it, I think there's what we call business uh, pandemic fatigue. Uh. You know, we, we've we journeyed through this pandemic. People have, some people are still thinking they're in it. Some have exited a long time ago. Some still have that risk adverse, you know they're risk adverse because depending on you know what how, how you take in information you know well i'm not sure i want to be out there and still conduct right. my business so that's i think that's the challenge because people are these businesses are trying to figure out what does their future look like as a result of the pandemic especially that those smaller, what I call micro businesses that have five to 10 employees, maybe a small Latin cuisine restaurant that has a very small footprint right. And that entire pandemic. Most of the time they were shut down because they didn't have the capacity to have curbside delivery and all those things like a, a larger box type restaurant yeah. would, would be. So I see that. I th- I think a lot of our business organizations now, over the past year or so haven't had really good member engagement uh, Mm. or either trainings some of their networking connecting events so uh, what i propose because our our chamber and our board of directors we've taken a a position that we want to be very collaborative with like business organizations and as you say you know strengthen numbers so i approached all the five chambers here toward the end of last year and i said would you think that a combined Colorado Springs chamber business after hours would be something you're interested in? And they said, sure, because we're kind of having that uh, reduction in engagement from our members at our events. So we hosted our first one last Thursday and we had 126 guests show up. Nice. Nice. Way to go. So I was able to promote to them. Why don't we do one, a quarter? Yeah. At the end of the year. So we're going to do another one in June. So. That's fantastic. Because I think when people are being, are selecting what they're going to do with say in an evening or things, they're going to go to, if they see a lot of different organizations collaborating together and they say, well, I'm going to pick this one because th- there's a multitude, multiple organizations there. And I can connect with a lot of different people, so, For sure. so I think the connecting piece is very important because through this pandemic we were isolated a lot, and we're humans are social beings, so they have to have that social interaction. For sure, and it's For very sure. different than us doing it, you know, over Zoom, which we got very used to. Yeah, you know, and our our schedules probably were more robust than before because it was zoom meeting after zoom meeting after zoom meeting and uh, and now when you can meet people for coffee there's travel time and you can break up your your day for, and i think and i think people are starting to adjust but there's some that will it will be h- longer for them to adjust to get used to being back to what i call normal I, i'm not uh <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not buying in
0: that. There's a new normal, right? we need to return to normal the way it was. (laughs) Well, tell me, this one's kind of a two-part one. What has been, um, you know, the most surprising and what's been the most rewarding pieces of this, of this position for you?
1: Well, the most surprising aspect was, uh, When they probably when they asked me to be their part time executive, because I, you know, I was balancing a role with the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, which is my full time. It's an organization out of Syracuse University, which I was training veterans and transitioning service members to gain certifications in ITHR and project management. So I was hosting about five classes a year doing that and then balancing this on the side. So. I guess it was kind of uh, flattering that they said, we want to reward you with the two years of work you did. And it just so happens we want to start you out during the pandemic. So uh, so that was kind of surprising. I think the other surprising aspect of it is uh, just to really learn about the struggles in probably a -a once-in-a-lifetime event that really has impacted business and then how businesses have had to shift to continue to survive. And then just in retrospect, wondering why some businesses didn't operate that way before the pandemic. As an example, restaurants, outdoor seating, curbside delivery that was lost revenue that they could have had prior to the pandemic. Right. That's something that you could have done any time, really. Right. So so businesses, you know, situation
0: forced them into it. Yeah.
1: yeah, Situation forced them into that. But you kind of go look back and go, hmm, I wonder why they weren't doing that.
0: Right.
1: You know, people like to maybe just get pick up food at the end of the week and go home. They don't want to go out, you know, a lot of of different reasons. Uh, The rewarding piece is. I've been able to put us in a position of growth and, and we are starting to uh, gain some influence and credibility on the things we're doing here. Nice. Obviously, we got highlighted by the United States Hispanic chamber, which was a very, you know, flattering to be recognized. But then how do you leverage that recognition to continue to build your organization? You know, how do you message that to say, Hey, we're an award winning program or organization Come and try us out, you know, be a member, come to events, things like that. So that's the rewarding thing to kind of see our trajectory over the last four and a half years. Because when I took over as the volunteer board chair, we only had 22 members. And and we have grown. As of today, I checked our membership uh, database. We're at 263 members. Wow, salute. So, so that's been rewarding to see that people are starting to believe in us. Uh, I still recruit members, you know, prospect, but now we're getting to the point that people are just going to our website and applying on their own. Nice. Without any kind of solicitation. They're hearing about say, hey, we're going to go try them out for a year. So that's, you know, that's starting to be very rewarding that we're, you're, you're not always on the, on the streets, you know, trying to get somebody to, to sign up.
0: that you, You're building a brand and the recognition and right all so, of that. So um, what, have, what really in, in this role, what, what have been some of the bedrock leadership principles that you've leaned on and, you know, how has your military background served you?
1: Well, you know. I think that my military background it, the structure piece, you know, you, every there's a lot of structure in place in the military. Yeah. And then we are about get, get getting results, you know, developing a, a timeline or a plan to achieve certain results, which I think has, has helped, has helped me, you know, develop the organization, the programming and events, set a cadence of how we do things. Uh I think, you know, the other aspect of leadership, I think that's become very important is as a result of the pandemic, you kind of, you, ha- you have to gain a perspective is you need to provide people some grace and businesses some grace because we don't know everybody's backstory. That's a great what, point. What the challenges that they've had. So, you know, if the, if they're not able to maybe be a member or for a variety of different things, you know what's going on in in, in their their lives. The same way with my interactions with my, our board of directors, you know we have currently have ten board board members right now, volunteers, business owners working big companies, you know providing them some grace as well. You you have expectations that you want them to help you get things done but if you don't really know what their backstory is some of the challenges they may be going through so you just you have to kind of show that grace and and sit them and kind of have a cup of coffee learn a little bit about them and kind of understand what they can and can't do so that is very important i think as leadership has evolved i'm very collaborative i want to leverage Resources from other organizations, have them leverage our resources and develop those win-win type relationships, which I think are very important, you know, because it's about community. And and as we have as a as a, a motto on our website, uh, working together, we can do more for sure. And, for and sure. that's kind of what we try to promote collaborative partnerships, uh, taking advantage of others. Resources we may not have, them being able to take advantage of resources and expertise we have to to build a better community.
0: That's awesome. So, what really keeps you excited about the chamber and and keeps you energized in doing the work?
1: Well, uh, about two weeks ago, the board offered me to become their full time executive. So, I actually moved on from Syracuse University two weeks ago. Uh, I think for the rest of my working career, this is my place. I mean, I'm 61 now, so I'm getting calls for by Medicare on Medicare benefits. I'm going, I'm not <laughs> eligible yet, and you're still you're calling me. You know, so see, you know, I, I think I can devote my passion and all my time to really continue the trajectory of this organization. Try to put it in a position where we have a succession plan where somebody can you know, take the reins and continue to to move it forward. So uh, ironically, when I moved on from Syracuse University, one of the things that I didn't know is they said, if you work at least five consecutive years with the university, you can retire. So I actually retired after only six years with Syracuse. Wow. It's kind of uh, interesting, you know, few little yeah. they provide, but yeah. hey, versus saying, "Well, I I I moved on from Syracuse." I actually can say I retired. From Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I'll change gears a little bit as we okay. wind down here. Sure. And what is something that you will read, listen to, or watch today? Well, I watched. I don't know if I'll watch
1: much TV today because I watched the the national championship last night. Yep. So I was pretty excited to kind of see that the Mount West for the first time Same. Has made some inroads. Uh, it helps my uh, alma mater. I at least know that they're competitive because when we played San Diego state, the last time we played them in our conference this year, we only lost by 10 points and they went all the way to the ah, championship the final. Uh as far as the books that I'm reading, I'm starting to read the the up updated version of the Para Latino leadership by Juana Bordas. Nice. So so I'm gonna try to, to dig into that uh, over the next couple of weeks as my time permits. How about you?
0: What book are you right now? Any idea? I'm reading I'm reading one called Elevate Elevate Your Team by Robert Glazer. It's a good okay. one. Who has been a a role model for you uh, in your career? Well, you know, I always, uh,
1: you know, just based on my upbringing in a very small town in uh, New Mexico, a little town named Vaughn, New Mexico, right? Kind of almost in the middle of the state, 800 people. Um, My dad uh, is a role model just from his humble beginnings And the fact that he figured out, uh, living on a ranch in southeastern New Mexico, Spanish-speaking parents, figured out how to get through high school, was a three-sport athlete. And then with no education from his parents, he went on to uh, New Mexico Highlands University and got his degree he didn't know that you went home during the summer, so he <laughs> stayed there and was a lifeguard. Continued to go to school, and he wound up getting his master's degree in you know a little over four and a half wow. years of going to school because he just stayed there during the summer all the time. Wow. But he was a thirty-seven year educator, so you know just that persistence and stick, you know, sticking to it. No, yeah. uh, I think was a role model very silent humble leadership style you know uh which uh, you know i i i liked and uh you know i have a couple other mentors here that you know uh, that when i was transitioning out of the, the military and i think you know uh this gentleman through the El Pomar Foundation Theo Gregory yep uh when I was transitioning out of the military in 2003, I was getting ready to retire in 2004. Uh, They were uh, reestablishing the Rocky Mountain State Games, kind of that Olympic style event. And I was the women's basketball coach at the Air Force Academy prep school at the time and their director of athletics. And he somehow got connected with me and he said, would you be willing to work with me to start – the, the, state games and be the, and do the basketball portion of it. So I said, sure. But out of that, he said, you know, as you re- separate out of the military, I'd like you to get involved with the, uh, at the time it was called the emerging Leaderships development program out of the El Pamar and they have minority advisory councils within mm. that. And he said, this will be an, an avenue for you to start to get connected, Uh, develop some leadership, get some training, and go out there. And As a result, I've gone out and been able to serve on a variety of boards. Uh, Theo since retired, but we know we're still connected, and I would look to him for advice and vice versa sometimes just based on, you know, what was going on in the community. So if I wouldn't have met him, I don't know if I would have taken that leap to start wow. to become engaged in our community as much as I have become. So I, I think he was kind of one of those first mentors I was able to have right, right. When I was beginning to transition out of the the air force.
0: Well, last one, if anybody listening wants to learn more about the uh, Colorado Springs Hispanic chamber, Adelante leadership, how did they find you?
1: Well, you know, they can always go to our website. It's near real time updated at CSHispanicChamber.com. And uh, the Adelante leadership information is there. We already have our new application for 2024 there. Uh, emerging leaders here in the Colorado Springs area and El Paso County can start to apply. A very reasonable tuition, only $1,500 for a 10-month program. Uh, and we we hope that, you know, businesses, those leaders and businesses will provide an opportunity for a staff member to grow them their leadership skills, because I think it's a very nominal fee for them to go through a program like ours compared to what some of the fees of other uh, similar type programs are in Colorado Springs. So, you know, always looking for those opportunity to make opportunities. For to grow your teams within your organizations. And I, and I hope that we start to resonate that this is a alternative pathway and a more reasonable way to access our program as well.
0: I love it. Well, uh, Joe and I go back. Joe was one of our first guys that helped us get into Colorado Springs with the Goldcraft foundation in yep. the mid nineties. Uh, so I've known Joe in a long time and it's just a thrill to see somebody pay forward a lifetime of lessons learned um, and experiences to, to help other people and lift other people up. So Joe, I admire what you're doing. Keep up the great work. And thanks for being with me today. Thanks, Jay. I greatly appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Joe for his work in elevating young leaders and Hispanic businesses in the Colorado Springs community. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Charity Services. If you'd like to learn how we can bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about the Colorado Springs Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the work Joe and his team are doing, visit cshispanicchamber.com and find them on social media. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.